Hi, I'm Father Sam Randall, and it's Padrita. Time for contemplation, conversation, and catechesis. Enjoy. Welcome to Padrita. It's Wednesday, the 21st of December. So to begin, let's come before the Lord in prayer. So we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So hear in kindness, O Lord, the prayers of your people, that those who rejoice at the coming of your only begotten Son in our flesh may, when at last he comes in glory, gain the reward of eternal life. We offer this prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, who is God forever and ever. Amen. Well, welcome to this um, Padre's Hour. Uh, today's also, I expect you might know or might not, it's uh, St. Peter Calisius. Uh, it's his day and he's an interesting saint. So I think he was canonized in the 1920s, so pretty late. But he is a, he is a doctor of the church, a very important. Uh, he wrote uh, catechisms and things and was very influential during the Reformation period. But anyway, we're on to, we've got a lovely guest with us today. George Manassa. I guess, George, that's quite a common Lebanese name, is it? Absolutely not, Father. <laughs> uh, there you go. So Absolutely. while he was off, dear listeners, uh, while you were off and we were chatting, I was I was trying to find out where the name came from, because I did say, are you named after a wicked Israelite king? And he assured me he wasn't. Because, <laughs> so who are you named after? Well, um my uh, parents have le- uh, my parents are Lebanese migrants to, uh, to Australia. I was born here in Australia, um, and the name Manasseh comes from an attempt of possibly my great great grandfather to uh, to adopt the name of the tribe of Israel. Possibly. That's that's most likely the situation. Uh, dear listeners, you may have heard that um, <laughs> ten of the tribes have gone missing. Where well, we've just found one of them. <laughs> here down south you know yeah they're, they're here all the time we're not looking in the right place so that's interesting george so uh, does that mean um your your ancestor your grandfather um became a maronite christian or he was already well it goes way back to the the time of uh the apostles of some maroon um i believe one of them was abraham of Cyrus, uh, uh who came from antioch to the mountains of Lebanon and all the yeah all the regions of North Lebanon, the mountains, to convert the Phoenician pagans and the pagans of Lebanon. And that's how Christianity came to my great great ancestry, and uh, wow. and the Catholic faith and um, and the Maronite. I believe can boast that it, it doesn't have an Orthodox counterpart. It has always been in union with Rome. Sure, that they, they would have lost contact at different times, but but yeah, they they. They've always been in union with the Sea of Peter. So, um, yeah. What a remarkable uh, religious heritage, a spiritual heritage yes, you've got, absolutely. George. Absolutely. Even uh, even in our modern time, you know, living being an Australian, it's great to know that you know I have uh, a great heritage, uh, a strong spiritual heritage. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's played a part in forming my self personally and my growth, having gone to a Maronite Catholic school. And being schooled um, in an Eastern Catholic uh, spirit, um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a great thing. It's a great thing there, definitely. Um, the Maronites are pretty big here, aren't they? There are a lot of them. Sydney's got a lot. Yeah, there's uh, plenty. Of Maronites. I think it's the largest Eastern Catholic group in the entire country. Yeah, yeah. Eastern so uh, you've got your own cathedrals and everything, yeah. Yeah. haven't you? Well, yeah, they, they do. Um, uh, there, there's Our Lady of Lebanon Co-Cathedral and there's one in Redford. I think that's the base here for the eparchy in Australia, uh, which is great. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I got – someone gave me um, a few weeks ago from the Chabelle Monastery um, a, a sort of oil, a bit of oil. Ah, yes. yes. So um, that was intriguing. But uh, he's a very famous saint, isn't he, Chabelle? Absolutely, yeah. a, a worldwide miracle worker. They say yeah. he. Uh, I, I don't know if this is factual, but uh, it seems to me almost to be uh, correct, at least or accurate, that he has the largest number of miraculous healings attributed to himself. Really? So, what yeah. sort of numbers are we talking? Oh, we're talking thousands. They, they documented thousands. I think. I think you can go 
online to St. Charbel Miracles or archives and and see the uh, hear the amount of stories from all over the world, Mexico, non-Christians uh, who pray for the intercession of St. Charbel. Let's say they, they've had cancer or some disease and then they completely healed. Um, I think there was just one recently in my family where my mother told me about uh, a miracle of St. Charbel where he uh, somebody was uh, was born from a young age with cancer and didn't have long to live and then prayed and then did a pilgrimage to Saint Char- the the village of St. Charbel um, uh, up in Lebanon um, and was miraculously healed. <laughs> and wow. it, it's not uncommon to hear all these sorts of miraculous healings uh, attributed to the miracle worker St. Charbel McClough. Yeah, it's absolutely what, amazing. What a beautiful um, heritage you've got. Uh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely. So, um, so you are always, always, uh, well, I'd say Catholic. I know Marilyn, it is Catholic. So are you always never left the faith, never, never gone off, never wandered into, into, into the world? Uh, Not exactly the case. I, I grew up with loving Maronite Catholic parents, uh, migrants from Lebanon with a very strong faith. Uh, I went to a a school, um, that reflected that, um, uh, uh, very well. And then, but, but it was more a, a cultural upbringing, the faith, a, a fear of a general fear of God. But then when I got to the year seven and eight, I began to wander towards more the evangelical Protestant realm of studying the Bible. Uh, and I became evangelical and Protestant in my thinking, um, which then gave me at the time, uh, I'm pretty thankful for that because that gave me the appreciation of scripture and learning my faith and understanding and, and having a lively faith where you actually understand what you're reading at mass. Um, as opposed to just going to mass, sitting there, maybe receiving, uh, um, and then falling asleep, not having a genuine authentic faith. So, uh, I wandered off for a few years, uh, <laughs> one or two years, you know, in early high school, uh, be just becoming a Protestant in my, in my belief system. And it was then in a park, um, uh, there's a, a f- evangelical flash mob who would pre- uh, play music and preach and, and right. <laughs> in a park doing my exercise yeah. stopped <laughs> by by somebody and they said uh, and I said to them, oh look I'm Catholic and then they started to aggressively attack oh, purgatory you know and uh, oh where is this in the Bible where is that in the Bible about purgatory about you know, indulgences about Statues and I and I had no answer for these things. I knew I always had respect and love for my Catholic faith in those two years, but you know I, I was determined when I went home to 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 find the answers. And it was by God's grace. I don't know where this CD came from. Of a story of uh, Tim Staples' um, uh, conversion story, yeah. who was Protestant pastor, Assemblies of God and Baptist. I listened to his story, and after that, I knew um, I needed to study further. And yeah. it was I met Perusia Media, thanks to Perusia Media, and I began to deeply study my faith. Um, this was in the year nine. Um, by the year ten, I attended Catholic Adult Education Centre, uh, ran by um, my good friend and uh, long good friend, very close friend, Father John Flader. Um, and that because I wanted to deepen my study and understanding of the faith further. Um, uh, and in 2010, yeah, in Litkem, the Catholic Education Center, I studied further my faith. And uh, I, I came back to my faith in year 2010. So I had a reversion back to the faith by, uh, uh, by obviously having loved scripture by my yeah. Protestant, two Protestant years. Mm. And then I knew, hey, well, the fullness of truth is the Catholic faith. And now I understand why. Now I understand purgatory. Now I understand why. And it all came down, Father, to this. All these different things, statues, Mary, all these topics, apologetic topics. It all came down to authority. By what authority? How do we know Scripture is Scripture? The books that we read in Scripture are canonized. How do we know anything? Yeah. By what authority? And so... The fact that our Lord instituted 12 apostles with Peter at the head and their successors, that's yeah. what's the deal for me. I knew this is a system protected by God. The, our Lord surely wouldn't leave us with a book. By the way, the book was canonized by the <laughs> church 400 years later. Uh, but it, it, that's what gave me assurance that this is the true faith. 
and this is how I'm going to save my soul. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, here's here's I'm going to throw something at you. I'm sure. say I'm I meet you in the park and I say to you, okay, where's purgatory in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Can you answer that? Uh, well, if I can remember, I don't have my notes with me, but uh, our Lord speaks about um, being purged. Um, uh, I think it, it's in the New Testament somewhere. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it doesn't it, matter, George. Yeah, keep going. I, I think I have to refer to my notes. I have them somewhere in my notes. Um, oh, well, listeners, after the break, we'll come back and do that one. <laughs> I mean, one of the issues is like because if you go to Maccabees, it's absolutely clear. Yeah, with the foundation. Of the that doesn't help if you're dealing with a Protestant. Yeah. No. So, I mean, <laughs> dear listeners, I, I, you may think that's unfair, but I've had to struggle with all of this. Uh, mm. And it is a question of uh, authority. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we won't be able to pinpoint to the Trinity being three distinct beings of one divine nature, defined in Scripture <laughs> very clearly. Uh, uh, the, uh, and the substance, but th- there are references there, and with the uh, coupled with the tradition of the church, scripture tradition, the magisterium, it all comes down to authority at the end of the day. Uh, why do we even believe the Bible? So we, we we don't hold ourselves to a standard, as you know, Father, of trying to prove everything from the Bible because we brought the Bible to existence <laughs> by the authority of the church. But it's okay, in- dear listeners, to be carried, all right, because and it's also a question of humility, actually. You know, we cannot know everything. We're talking about um, wonderful mysteries and extraordinary mm-hmm. things like the Trinity. And we're part of a family of faith. And there are moments, dear listen, I don't you're listening to this, you might sometimes get up and think, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. It's okay to be like that. Don't beat yourself up. There, It happens to everybody. But it's those moments that your neighbour says, well, I am sure. I have faith for you. You know, I'm, I'm, I believe this. And listeners, people like George and I, be a, be strong in your faith. Be Just have confidence because George and I have had to go through some of those questions that you might wrestle with. And we've come out. We've come out and uh, it's true. Our faith is true and we can trust the church. So, yeah. Um, we'll come back to, though, I want to press him a bit on purgatory. I'll let, we'll have a break and he can look up his notes. Oh, that would be great. But um, what's your biggest hurdle then as, as, a, as a Catholic? Was it a question of authority at the end? Was that the big thing for you, the crunch point, saying, you know, OK, actually, the trouble is they'll start talking about popes that are a bit off and things like the Borgias or something. You know, if you start talking about where's the authority reside, was that your big hurdle, authority? Yeah, because if, if you pin everything, you know, Mary, Saints, it all points back the uh, authority is the foundation for the whole faith and everything yeah. can be on it you know marian dogmas respect for mary spiritual everything is built on authority if you pull authority from uh under the footing the whole your whole faith will collapse you ha- so everything hinged on authority the authority of the pope the authority of the uh, of the bishops the collective mm-hmm. magisterium and does this magisterium have the same authority to teach the way our Lord taught? That's yeah. that's that that was what everything hinged on for me, because uh, I had accepted for what, a couple of years that Scripture was the ultimate authority, and it was everything. We had to find it in the Bible, and it became an interpretation game. And you understand better than me, Father, in your evangelical years. You know that that you know there are people do contradict each other in interpreting the Bible. And if we're going to come up with answers about how to live our life morally, how to live um, uh, doctrinal issues that we need to give religious assent to, to, to stay, yeah. uh, to grow our relationship with God, save our soul, then mm. we need certainty with the answers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's true. If, even nature proves this is the case. There's no government in the world that operates by a constitution without legislative powers to interpret judicial courts, uh, judiciaries. There's a living system with the written word. Even nature proves that. So therefore, uh, our Lord uh, was very smart in designing his church. He understood what yeah. it would
back to this Padres Hour. We had some technical issues, for which uh, I'm sorry. Um, George is in his alternative office. I can see that. And uh, <laughs> it's got four wheels. <laughs> yeah, if you include the steering wheel. So uh, we lost it temporarily. So we put some music on. George was telling us about authority, really important. 
and then you're yeah, gonna so so I just wanted to before I blame everything, all technical errors, you know, my <laughs> you're running my show on radio here with voice parody and everything else. I blame on the devil. So Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to overcome the devil, what I was saying before was um was that look when you do see shortcomings of popes, clergy in the church, it should strengthen your faith to know that our faith doesn't rely upon their holiness. Uh, the fact that Pope can error in his personal life, uh, pastorally, uh, in things which are not dogmatic uh, definitions um, or dogmatic teachings, it reassures our faith. You know that we we don't rely on them to be. They don't guarantee the faith, um, especially when we the priest says mass, everything else. It's the office that's being exercised ex opera operatio. Um, through uh, not by their own merits. That 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 gave me, I think, final assurance to accept the authority of the Pope, the bishops, and that was just tremendous. Mm. It sealed my faith, you know, back in that year of two thousand and ten. Beautiful, George. Yes. Now, I, I, if you didn't, if you just tuned in, I threw a googly at George, and he's he's he kept mentioning what well, he mentioned a few times, uh, a purgatory, because yes. of dealings in arguments with um, friends, and I said, okay. Where is that in the scriptures? Because, dear listeners, it is, and he's going to tell us now. Okay, well, there are a few references. There's Matthew chapter 5, verse 24 to 25. Uh, he's a bit more explicit there. Well, there's no such thing where Jesus spells out purgatory, just like the Trinity. If you accept the Trinity, the two natures of Christ, all the dogmatic definitions that our Protestant brothers and sisters accept or anybody else, there's no explicit definition. This is, again, why... Whereas Catholics believe in the authority of the church, which produced the scripture. <laughs> and then we have the tradition, everything, um, and the, uh, the magisterium of the church. But there's Matthew chapter 5, verse 24 to 25. That's a good one for people to look at. Um, our Lord says, and I quote, make friends quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out till you have paid the last penny. So that's where he builds us up there. You even have early church fathers like Tertullian, for example, in De Anima uh, in AD 208, um, where he teaches this idea about the parabolic prison um, for necessary penance. And that's outside scripture. Uh, you got 1 Corinthians also, chapter 3, verse 11 to 15, um, where there, there, there's there's... It speaks about that again, that foundation of purgatory. Yeah, but okay. It's something Just, that needs, I think, a lot more time. It's a whole other topic. It does. We could do these. We should do these. You know, yeah. I tell you, it was really good. Uh, George and I could just go through some of these difficult yeah. things. For some, there's some difficulties for some people. Let's be honest. Um, Dave Armstrong is a good guy to go to. I don't know if oh. you know his writings, George. He does fantastic breakdowns on some of this stuff. Um, he's, yes, I think he might have been a former Protestant. Former Protestants are good at apologetics, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, I suggest but, Dr. Robert Haddad's book, Defend the Faith. He oh, answers yeah. a whole series of questions. He does it quite eloquently. He's uh, a Maronite, he's, isn't he? Uh, he is a Maronite, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, here in Sydney, we happen to have Dr. Robert Haddad. Big shout out to him. But yeah. he has a great book, and in that section there, he eloquently breaks down the foundation in Scripture, early church writings. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. again, like at least, if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you only accept scripture, sola scriptura, uh, the teaching of sola scriptura and scripture as your only authority, at least you'd be interested in reading yeah. the early church fathers, the early church writings, to give you a bit of a context of what early Christians were believing, at least, surely. Yeah. You'd want to study the history of the time of the Bible and the people around, that should give you also a context. Yeah. So I think everyone should be interested um, in early church history. But that that's a bit of a snapshot. It does need time to explain and yeah, maybe if you'd like, I mean, do, dear listeners, if you've got questions, I could even send them, you know, to George's way. So if you've got questions about the faith or you're being asked questions about the faith, there are plenty of wonderful resources and we want to help you. You can tell George is enthusiastic about the faith and loves, loves talking about it. And you may have heard his voice before on Radio Maria because he runs one of our shows. It's called Catholic Toolbox. Isn't that right? Correct. Yeah. So how and why did you begin that, George? Well, I began it quite naturally, um, like uh, a lot of good ideas. They begin naturally uh, in the workplace, in the midst of my ordinary life. Um, I have a construction background. Uh, I've worked in project management for 
um, past seven years uh, when I was in project management uh, years ago, uh, maybe five, six years ago. I, yeah, we, we, we'd have meetings called a toolbox meeting. And toolbox meetings are strategic meetings at the beginning of the week just to plan out the program of work, so how we're going to carry out this project, the practical applications, there's budget constraints that we have to meet, there's um, site constraints, there's time constraints for different items and line items, the whole technicalities of project management. Um, and we, uh, site managers, managers, site staff, operational staff, everyone would meet at the same time to strategize what's happening this week strategically and then they would divide and execute their own operations so it's quite a very very executionary meeting and then in the midst right. of that i dozed off on one of them on a monday morning right. <laughs> My mind was, i was thinking about the church you know and how we're our ability to evangelize the culture and everything else and i and my mind came back down i thought hmm this would be if we could sit down and speak and think like this more in the church on a practical level and an app location level, we could become a bit more effective, at least. Right. We could become a lot more effective. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, the toolbox meeting turned to, we need a Catholic toolbox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the Catholic toolbox was born, and uh, uh, I was offered a, a segment on the Voice of Charity Australia, which is 17.01 a.m. The Voice of Charity Australia, which is Australia's uh, bandwidth, uh, has a radio yeah, um, is a radio network which has a bandwidth here, at least in Sydney. Um, that's a Catholic radio. It's 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 run by the Cremist Order. They're, they're a Maronite order, but it's not a Maronite uh, just for Maronites. It's for everybody. So uh, that's that's how I started it back in 2018. And uh, and uh, what we do with the show is we we study an agenda of the faith, an aspect of the faith, whether it's prayer life, spiritual professional formation, everything else, any aspect, doctrinal. And we digest it for about, what, 20, 30 minutes. And then we go into three practical tools where my guests and myself, we deduce, okay, what are three practical ways we can take action with this area, such as evangelizing at work? How can we witness to the gospel at work? We talk about our duty to evangelize, why we have to evangelize, the doctrinal basis for that. And then we go into the three practical tools. How can we actually take action and practically, I mean, the to-dos, we break it down for people to make it easy for them. Three practical suggestions. It's simple, three practical tools um, that you can try tomorrow at work of how to how to take action with your um, with evangelizing. Uh, do you get so feedback? Sorry? Do you get feedback, George, on this? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So tell I, us some of the feedback. I have great feedback, actually, uh, from a lot. Most of it is great feedback. I think uh, most of it's uh, tremendous feedback that people uh, people listen to it, you know, on their way to work. They listen to the podcast. Um, we get we get amazing, yeah, amazing feedback there that we're helping people to take action. You know, it's right. not, it's not a miraculous thing, but at least we help people to start being a little bit more practical take action with your prayer life because I think we've entered an age where there's such complacency for anything that's not going to give you immediate gratification like you or you have to do it like you have to go to work in the morning or you have to uh, go get your coffee or food or anything else prayer is just pushed to the side go on to church uh, or or being proactive at least if you're a practicing Catholic with your faith evangelizing is always we have a culture that encourages laziness, that, you right. know, passive about it. So we're trying to help people become more practical as Catholics. And hopefully uh, that's how it, it has an evangelical dimension because when people see that you're able to live your faith, Catholicism is practical, um, uh, people will then uh, be drawn to then learn the faith from the back door. So that's 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 the niche of the show. And that's, that's what I hope to achieve, you know, help. Catholics and other non-Catholics have become more practical. In, in their... uh, you're a younger man. Anyway, younger, <laughs> younger than me. Depends, depends what young means, Father. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm about yeah. to tip over the edge. So um, uh, is it ge geared to younger people? Absolutely. It's geared to all ages. Over the age of is, yeah. Everyone yeah. can take action. Everyone yeah. needs to take action with their faith. The word, like our Lord, and what fascinates me for the theme of the Catholic Toolbox is the fact 
that our Lord didn't just um, leave the law in tablets, you know, at Mount Sinai. He became flesh. That law became flesh. So we need to allow the law, the teaching, dogma, the morality to become flesh in our lives personally. So we, we want to take action and we want to become saints. The eventual goal of doing all this is to to save our souls and to get to heaven because that's the objective of the Catholic faith. And that's what we're trying to wait. We're trying to catalyze right. um, the mission of the church through the Catholic toolbox, through the show. And so everything. you're carrying on with your um, daytime job. Absolutely. In, I, in construction. Yeah, I, I run a logistics uh, company. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I, I do work. Uh, that That's my full-time occupation. And then I right. also run Catholic Toolbox. But I, I, I love to be in the secular sphere because I think that's what fuels the Catholic Toolbox, especially because being out there, uh, being with, you know, everybody, uh, being in the Catholic sphere, outside the Catholic sphere, that helps you to, to have that approach to evangelizing the culture, doing apostolate in the workplace is a very important thing. And uh, with clients that I meet, you know, I'm able to uh, grow, uh, help them, um, uh, 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 help them, you know, meet Christ through you know their dealings with me as much as possible. You know, over time through friendship, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. George, it's a bit unusual because in the church we tend to have sort of religious professionals. And then yeah. everyone else does their secular job. So you're you're transcending that that historical division that is actually it's an emotional division. Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be worth so mentioning that, that um, the great saint Saint Jose Maria Escrivá um, uh, he preached the universal uh, well reiterate what the Second Vatican Council called for, which is the universal call to holiness. So this is the Second Vatican Council beautifully came out. Uh, in Lumen Gentium, spoke about the universal call to holiness. All lay people, all people, all walks of life, yourself as a clergyman, um, uh, lay people, religious, everyone's called to become saints, and especially as lay people. So this is this is a call for us to to sanctify ourselves mm. um, and then go out into the world and sanctify the world. So, yeah. You've never felt the urge to sort of hang up your, your hammer and your, and your saw or whatever you're using and go off to theological college or university or something? Um, uh, to study, uh, to yeah. be theology. It's something I'm looking at, you know, in the future. But oh, it is. Okay. It, yeah, but but it, it doesn't stop you from being in the world. Uh, no. I, we should not see – this is, this is something, again, this is part of the art of – um, uh, the Catholic toolbox that we want to bridge that gap between, you know, living your faith and the secular world, so that you can take your faith, live your faith, obviously through your routine of prayer to sanctify yourself, and then going into the workplace uh, with your family, with your children, with your leisure, and live your faith, witness to Christ, sanctify, um, sanctify the world as well. I think it's very, very important. We cannot see a division between our faith. And our secular life as lay people. Um, now, as a religious and as a priest, obviously you're, you're in the realm of sanctifying a little bit more easier. But there is, there's, there's, we're all called to find find holiness and sanctify ourselves wherever we are. We can't, we have to bridge that gap. We have to keep bridging that gap. It's not something new. We're all all lay people throughout time have been called to get to heaven, save their soul. There's nothing less about being a lay person. We're all called to be saints. Uh, what about then on your daily life? How do you, what is your, you mentioned prayer. How do you work that into your, you're a very busy guy. You're running your own business. You've got a lot of going on, a lot of demands. Uh, and you're married, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been married for a year and a half uh, to my wife, Akita. And we've been, uh, we've been, yeah, we got married on 26th of June last year on the day of lockdown, the Sydney lockdown. Right, okay. <laughs> so not many people come. No, we had everywhere. It was declared on that day. So oh, was, that's good timing. Yeah, well done. <laughs> that was divine intervention. But what about your prayer life? How do you? What do you do? Do you have a particular pattern for you? Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, just like in the words of Saint Hazaria Escriva, um, she spoke about what's called the plan of life, um, of having a set, a set routine of prayer. Um, and being able, and we, we, we can't leave, I, I might mention this, we can't leave our prayer up to chance. You know, if we leave our, when we leave it up to chance throughout the day, the busyness, especially people who have a lot more, I, I don't have any kids, but people who have kids, uh, uh, you know, they have their work or business or 
and children and wife. If you leave your prayer up to chance, it just simply will be all over the place. And and, and the devil like sometimes rejoices, you know, when we put it off and everything there. But I have what's called a, pr- a plan of life. Um, I do some mental prayer in the morning, speaking to our Lord in the evening, uh, rosary, um, morning mass. So I get up in the morning. I uh, I yeah I do some mental prayer, spiritual reading uh, before mass. So and then mass is usually a very early mass for me, and then. Um, there's other prayers that I say during the day and it includes the rosary. So there's a, I have a set routine. I'm a man of routine and I think it's important. There are people who aren't people of routine, but we do as much as possible should put a routine on our prayer so that we, we do them amidst the busyness and chaos of our lives, especially yeah. as like people. Yeah. So you've got a spiritual toolbox as well. Absolutely. So the Catholic toolbox covers um, spiritual, uh, doctrinal, um, ascetical, uh, professional, and human sort of areas to do with our faith. Uh, and we talk about different agendas and come up with practical tools. How do you how do you pick your subject? I mean, have you got like a strategy that, uh, you know, uh, how, how are you doing it? Okay, so it's actually a very easy thing to do. It's a very, very easy thing to do um, because – there's just so many topics people want to hear about. You know, I get emails, uh, people suggest right. topics. We never run out of topics to talk about. There's it's so much to talk about, Father. I'm sure you, I'm yeah. sure you experienced that. There's there's not a shortage of topics to discuss. Uh, but we look at, uh, but I sort of tailor it as well with the season, the month, or or we sort of go with the the day to day issues that might have come up, situations. If it's a if it's let's say a, a spirit or a doctrinal issue or, or a moral issue that's come up in society today, or a feast day, or let's say around Halloween, I did a terrific um, episode on that, I believe, with uh, with, with an exorcist there. Um, depends on the topic, yeah. Depends okay. on the season as well. So we roll with the season and the situation of the time. But looking at now, taking a sort of a bird's eye view, so to speak, of the church. Do you think, and what are they? What are the the crucial issues we are facing now? What do you think are the things, you know, because, I mean, yeah, there's lots and lots we can talk about, lots of subjects, but what do you think are, are the essential things? What does the, you know, the Catholic, well, the Christian community, well, even society, what are the issues, really burning issues? There's two, uh, look, I think there's three burning issues. And if we can master this and then practically strategize and execute operationally very well, we would, I believe, and we do this, let's say, on each regional level of the church and let's say Australia, we would, uh, we would absolutely, I think, we would absolutely, I think, uh, get to a better stage. Um, it's not any advice, professional advice, but these are just my thoughts. I think if we if we accelerate catechesis, that's the one thing. I mean, really, catechesis is the foundation for even being Catholic, remaining in the faith, still going to Sunday Mass. I, I don't believe most Catholics uh, are catechized at all or sufficiently. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I always hope I'm wrong with these, these little things that I hear. I believe something like 10% of Catholics go to Mass. Um, I believe if we catechize people, people have the same experience as all of us who came back to the faith by studying our way back in, listening to those CDs. Tremendous work. A big shout out to Perusia Media, one of my closest partners here at the Catholic Toolbox. Um, the tremendous work they do to bring speakers out. And you invite your friends and they start hearing and learning about moral issues, why we're Catholic. Where we have questions answered, that's what's going to keep people in the faith. That's the reality. If we just forget about the other three, if we just focus on catechesis and really accelerate catechesis, let's do it everywhere in every circle of church life. Yeah. Let's see tremendous reversions of the faith. You'll see vocations come back because people are practicing the faith. It's only because we're not teaching people sufficiently and they're leaving and, um, and uh, they don't have the chance to study and appreciate the Catholic faith. That's right. the biggest the biggest elephant in the middle of the room, I, I believe. Uh, 
um, some churches, <clears throat> uh, Protestant churches, evangelical churches, do sort of adult Bible studies. And believe me, uh, I know my son does this. It's very deep and very, very um, concentrated, um, very effective. I, I sometimes think that we just leave it. And there's not enough, the homily on Sunday. It's very important, the homily on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, mass is really important. And my message to priests is use your time wisely in the homily, at least to inspire people to take action outside the homily. You know, you got yeah. some, you know, rather than, I think, I mean, speaking about, you know, general things that, you know, sometimes even. Uh, uh, you know, it's not really going to motivate people to get up. I think really focus on hard-hitting issues, inspire people, refer people to something outside the Mass, and start, yeah. you know, a catechetical <clears throat> group, uh, a talk once, a fortnight once a month, and start to educate people in our faith through the catechism, through the fathers of the church, and let's the, and answer moral uh, – people have moral questions for today, you know about contraception and abortion you know, let's yeah. answer questions i think by answering questions and educating minds people will then can then make up their mind about whether they want to follow christ if we right. do that alone we will i believe we'll see a great revival so you said, three, you said you said you said three things them. george you said yeah. three you've done inadequate catechesis what's your next one I think um, we'll uh, have a break. Yeah, I'm back. Oh, you're back. I am okay. Back. <laughs> okay. Sorry. The devil again. But the second one, I believe, very seriously, yeah, is is um, is our pastoral approach to to, to doing personal apostolate and friendship. Um, I believe we should uh, we should go out and try to re-evangelize uh, people on a friendship level. And bring people back and be, uh, yeah, through friendship. I think it's a great thing because I mean, a lot of people. I mean, you look on uh, the plenary council. We, we you read a lot of the feedbacks of different people saying that they don't feel welcome in churches and uh, different places. I think uh, it's important to note that um, though we can't be welcoming to everybody if people don't believe want to follow Christ. But I think it's important to do personal apostolate through friendship to to try and bring people back and follow up with Catholics. Here's a great idea, and you know, I hope parishes pick it up. We have so many baptism registers, and we know who's been baptized and confirmed and married in the church. We should do something uh, like follow them up, you know? You haven't been going to church lately. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a call center, that would be a tremendous idea. Uh, like yeah. a call center, hi, we haven't seen you at church for a while. Yeah. You go to church, yeah. Like we need that personal pastoral uh, apostolate. Um, okay, not not leave it to chance. And what about the third thing then? What's your third thing? The third thing is liturgical. Um, I'm somebody big on liturgy. I believe we need to um, uh, have that reverence and respect that liturgy and maintain that, uh, be it the priest or uh, lay people or servers, because when people go to mass, they should um, we should eliminate distraction and allow. Yeah, allow um, yeah, and sh have reverence and and the spirit of prayer in the mass, so that when people uh, come to mass, they can have that strong uh, connection with our Lord. I believe that. Okay. So yeah. if you listen, if you're listening to this, George's um, three go tos in um, we need to sort out our catechesis. Um, have um, uh, I think. Uh, well, evangelism and friendship, don't leave it to chance and uh, liturgical renewal. Uh, good things, George, really good absolutely. things. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. If we if we work on those, <laughs> and I mean work on them, starting with catechesis, because that's the foundation, you'll see great renewal. You'll see great renewal. You'll see people come back. And you know how I know it? Because where they, where we've ha where we have seen people like myself, millennials, we're talking young people, you know, iPhone, Android people, <laughs> generation, uh, millennials, where you see young millennials come back to the faith, it's through, one, they've gone out of their way, found something on YouTube, uh, like Catholic Answers, they, <laughs> Dr. Robert Haddad, Perusia Media, and they start listening, hmm, hmm. I want to learn a bit more about the faith. They start studying, reading, and then they move on to, okay, yes, yeah, someone welcomed me to their parish. They started teaching me and helping me with my faith. 
so they were they felt that sense of community in in my second practical tool and the third thing is they went to a liturgy and they felt uh, okay that uh, was uh, with liturgical renewal um and and they were able to then experience our lord authentically in the holy sacrifice of the mass uh, and wow. that toppled their faith to bring them back to the faith. Those are the three-legged stools, mm. I believe, to renewal. Beautiful. Um, now, you'd work with lots of different radio stations. And, and uh, tell us a bit about that. Tell us, you know, why you think these sort of media, this form of media is good to reach people. And stories are it's good. Similar, I mean, your read versions back to the Catholic faith, including mine, have come back from uh, radio. I began listening to Voice of Charity Australia Radio in early days of my reversion back. I began listening to Catholic Answers Radio. I wanted something live where there's a discussion about the faith. There's that lively sense. It's not just a lecture or a talk or a video. Those are great too. But I'm sure there's a different element that people listening to us now live, you and I here, that real presence, at least not physically, but but, um, uh, audio-wise, MP3-wise. uh, th- there is that uh, that great sense there, and uh, radio is able to reach a lot of people. We can't physically be at a million places at once, but we can reach people through radio on a mass scale. And people, uh, I'll tell you a story about Voice of Charity Australia Radio, um, because uh, a lot of Lebanese, uh, you know, older women, older generation, they all have one in their house, and that's been, a, I think, a source of hope for them, you know, while they're washing dishes, while they're cooking, to hear that radio on, you know, it's that voice that's there. Um, I, I believe uh, what you're doing at Radio Maria, I love Radio Maria, I support it, I stand behind it, because that's how we're going to, in the mass to, uh, to capture the masses and bring save souls and bring co- uh, souls to Christ. Um, uh, you know, our Lord stood before masses, you know, he, he couldn't probably on a human level go and chat with each person individually, but to, to capture uh, the masses and uh, and allow people to hear the word of God on a mass scale, that we have to get behind. It's imperative in our society today. We get behind radio. We get behind the television networks in the work that you're doing and every other um, every other platform. That's why I work with a number of platforms because we want to be. Uh, I want to bring the Catholic toolbox. Um, same with other people uh, to everywhere, uh, every every platform, because yeah. uh, we want to reach as many people as possible with this message. We certainly appreciate uh, your whole contribution and enthusiasm. And uh, yeah. uh, here on, on Radio Maria uh, Australia, it's yeah. really wonderful. I know you've been part of um, our, our Christmas special, Reason for the Season. Yeah. So um, for those who don't haven't heard that, uh, um, and maybe you want to share a bit about what's your your your, your Maronite uh, tradition. Do you have mm. any special Christmas traditions that well, you, well, your family look, will be doing this year? I know we've been speaking about being Maronite, but uh, but I do practice. <laughs> I, I've always been practicing the the Roman rite. So uh, okay. And, and, oh, and anyway, Maronite, what's what's your what's your Christmas thing? Well, it'd be Lebanese traditions, won't they? Yes, there you go. Lebanese is a little bit more accurate. Uh, <laughs> um, well, so every every Christmas, I always um, either go to a midnight mass, and that's usually. Uh, uh, but this year we'll be going to the 11 a.m. mass uh, because my wife sings uh, there, and then after we'll we usually do a barbecue. Yeah, usually a barbecue. There you go, with yeah, lots of garlic and uh, everything else, and exchanging gifts and and usually every year the tradition is on Boxing Day I go away somewhere, so you know for a few days to to relax. It's the best time to go away. Really? So is that a retreat? Is that a spiritual retreat? No, not a spiritual retreat. Just a little holiday getaway with my yeah. wife this year. So, yeah. Um, George, thank you for all you're doing, and uh, I do think these these recommendations you've given about catechesis need to be taken seriously. Here's here's a, a suggestion for you, dear listeners. I mean, why not encourage the priest to put on these uh, parish newsletter some resources, like we've mentioned a couple. Uh, uh, her dad and uh, Armstrong. I think that would be help people, don't you, George? You know, if you if you Absolutely. if you want, you know, like or even a commentary. Say the homilies on. Um, why not look at that? Uh, I think I've been to churches where they've appointed welcomers. What do you think about that? People whose job is to be friendly, a friendly face. It's not just getting money or handing out stuff. It's to yeah, it's a good idea, isn't it? 
One of the things I notice that's different in Protestant churches and Catholics is that there's always decent coffee and tea and biscuits. Help, people. Yeah, and having our coffee, tea and biscuits. Uh, yeah. and obviously, the liturgy has to have its pride of place. So yeah, absolutely. The liturgy we're in, but yeah. outside the liturgy, yeah. um, go hard. Go as pastoral as possible, welcoming as possible. Just my opinion, uh, uh, and I think the opinion of many saintly people, <laughs> at least I'm trying to listen to, is let the liturgy have its identity, its reverence. Mm. Do it and be as pastoral as possible outside. I think that's the good balance. Oh, man. Yeah, bless you. That's the good balance. Uh, George, thank you so and, much. Uh, for getting... I recommend that people, um, if people are interested, I give some good practical tools that I've thought of in my book, uh, The Art of Practical Catholicism. Uh, so you can get that online, uh, Amazon or Perusio, any store. So it's The Art of Practical Catholicism uh, by myself, George Manassa. Um, and I give uh, practical tips on how to sort of start something in your parish or, or catechesis and take action there because often look parish priests are very busy you know i'm friends a lot of them they're overwhelmed they need lay people the second vatican council called lay people to take action we need to step up and get involved and take initiative so uh, i give you some helpful hints as lay people to take action there um with uh, if you're interested here no great um great Thanks for plugging your book. <laughs> That's really good, George. And uh, thanks for all you're doing. It's it's great. I, I love your enthusiasm very much. Would you like to close with a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I thank you, my Lord and my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this time. I ask your assistance in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Amen. Amen. So thank you for listening to this uh, podcast. I hope you found it inspiring. And uh, we do encourage you to, to do what you can to help the church in its ministry and building the kingdom and uh, being a, um, a great support in your parish uh, to your local priest and to the people there. about what we've discussed or what you've heard get in touch through the website thanks <laughs>